Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. If you've been following the news in Washington lately, you're probably aware of the struggle in Congress to pass a bipartisan infrastructure proposal that would invest $1.2 trillion over the next eight years to a vast range of projects. Everything from replacing lead water pipes and repairing roads and bridges to building a national network of electric car charging stations and providing broadband internet access to Americans who don't have it yet. President Joe Biden, who's been on the road making speeches to promote the plan, calls it critical to making sure that this is, quote, an American century in which the U.S. continues to lead the world instead of slipping behind other nations. Republican lawmakers and others have balked at the proposal's price tag. So today, let's talk about infrastructure. Infrastructure is a catch-all term for the various big things that our civilization needs to function. Roads, bridges, tunnels, rail lines, dams, buildings, and systems that supply water and electricity, just to name a few. For the article this episode is based on, HowStuffWorks spoke with Joseph Schofer, a professor of civil and environmental engineering and associate dean of the engineering school at Northwestern University. He also hosts the podcast, The Infrastructure Show. He explained, It's the built environment that supports our lives. If you didn't have infrastructure, you'd be sitting in an open field praying for rain. When the term infrastructure first came into vogue in the late 1800s, it meant the foundation or substructure of a building, road, or railroad line. It wasn't until after World War II when European countries began building a vast array of airfields, barracks, railways, depots, and other projects for use by NATO forces that the term took on a broader meaning. According to the Global Competitiveness Report of 2019, a scorecard released by the World Economic Forum, the United States ranked 13th out of 141 countries in overall infrastructure, but still scored perfect scores of 100 in various measures including road connectivity, access to electricity, and the safety of its drinking water. A quality of roads got a 5.5 out of 7. But shouldn't we rank better? Uh, The same report ranked the United States as the second most globally competitive country in the world, behind only Singapore. So why were we 13th in overall infrastructure? People have been complaining about infrastructure being in a sorry state for decades. Back in the early 1980s, uh, the book America in Ruins warned that spending on public works projects was decreasing and that the nation's public facilities were wearing out faster than they were being replaced. One of its co-authors, Pat Choate, warned Congress that one of every five U.S. bridges was in need of either a major overhaul or total reconstruction and that New York City was losing 100 million gallons, that's almost 400 million liters of water daily because of aging water lines. And the report cards haven't improved much since then. In 2015, the Brookings Institution warned that China was investing four to five times as much as the U.S. in maintaining and improving its infrastructure, and that countries like Canada, Australia, South Korea, and those in the European Union were spending significantly more as well. And in 2021, the American Society of Civil Engineers, or ASCE, gave the U.S. a C- for the state of infrastructure across the nation. It warned that 43% of U.S. roads and highways were in, quote, poor or mediocre condition, 
and that more than 46,000 of the nation's bridges were in such lousy shape that it would take another 50 years just to complete all the currently needed repairs. The levees and stormwater systems that protect many communities from flooding earned a D grade. Public transit systems earned a D minus, with nearly one in five transit vehicles and 6% of tracks, tunnels, and other facilities in poor condition. The nation's drinking water systems lose enough water every day to fill more than 9,000 swimming pools, and that's even though 12,000 miles, that's 19,000 kilometers of water pipes, were being replaced each year. The electrical grids were in somewhat better shape, but still dangerously vulnerable to bad weather, with 638 transmission outages over one recent four-year period. HowStuffWorks also spoke via email with Anthony J. Lamana, an engineering professor and construction expert at Arizona State University. He said, the ASCE report card on infrastructure has been bad for years, so this is nothing new. We've seen it coming. There are multiple reasons why U.S. infrastructure isn't in the shape that it should be. The first, simply, is roads, bridges, and other pieces of infrastructure are designed to have a useful lifespan, and inevitably, their parts start to wear out. Uh, Take, for example, the bridges that are part of the nation's interstate highway system, which began construction during the Eisenhower administration more than six decades ago. Lamana said, we're nearing the end of life for some of the bridges. In fact, we're beyond it in some cases. Another problem is that much of the nation's infrastructure is controlled by the public sector, and its upkeep is supported by taxpayers. Much of the funding for maintaining highways and bridges, for example, comes from federal and state gasoline taxes, and increasing those taxes is politically risky for elected officials, even though today's fuel-efficient cars get more miles and put more wear and tear on the roads per gallon of gas purchased. Additionally, there's a powerful disincentive for politicians who face re-election to spend money on maintenance and renovations of existing infrastructure as opposed to putting that money into shiny new projects that will impress their constituents. And what compounds the dilemma is that while roads and bridges are in plain view, other parts of the nation's infrastructure are largely invisible, that is, until they break down. Schofer explained, I can't see the water and sewer lines, but I need them. That's one downside of the civil infrastructure system in the U.S., Things work so well and massive failures are so rare that people say, why should you tax me more? It works fine. The problem, of course, is that if spending for maintenance and renovations is deferred for too long, infrastructure assets start to show their age or else can't keep up with increases in demand. That's one reason that there's often a contrast in the condition of publicly controlled infrastructure and privately owned assets, such as the freight rail network, where owners understand that their profits are dependent upon regular maintenance. Schoffer said, We're not spending enough, we're not spending strategically, and we're not spending in a focused kind of way. One solution advocated by the National League of Cities and others is to put more infrastructure assets in the hands of public-private partnerships, aka P3s. In these, a private sector company will take on the financing, construction, and long-term maintenance of an infrastructure asset, with the costs spread out over the life of that asset, and will be paid through user fees or taxes, while the government retains actual ownership of the asset. Lamana has another idea for improving infrastructure. He said, 
Without getting too political, it would be awesome if we had more engineers in the government. As of 2021, there are just eight engineers in the U.S. House of Representatives and one in the Senate, compared to 144 House members and 50 senators who have law degrees. Today's episode is based on the article, How Bad Is America's Infrastructure Really? on HowStuffWorks.com, written by Patrick J. Kiger. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio in partnership with HowStuffWorks.com and is produced by Tyler Klang. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Listener.